Anyway, um, good afternoon. How are you guys doing? Um, before we get started, I just wanted to say um, how much I appreciate um, leading and being a part of this community. Um, as a couple of people have mentioned, um, we've been at the Vineyard Leaders Gathering this week. So it's an annual conference where um, leaders from vineyard churches around um, England the UK and Ireland, um, gather, and there were some great speakers, some challenging thoughts, which is always wonderful, um, lovely welcoming atmosphere, some glorious worship, some really powerful times of the Holy Spirit moving, and it was wonderful, um, and I always come to the end of these things and go, oh, I can't wait to get back to Gloucester, um, and so it's been, it's lovely to be here, and I just, um, I really love, I love being there. And I love coming back um, because of all that, um, all that we are, how we do things, um, and that we're family. So, um, yeah, just wanted to say I love you guys. Um, anyway, let's put, oh, thank you. Let's crack on. So, um, quick starter question for you. For those of you who are new here, um, we try and make these somewhat interactive some weeks are more interactive than others um, and this week I've got a little bit for you so quick starter question for you does anyone here listen to any podcasts a few people um, any documentary lovers or bookworms yep a few can you shout out some of your latest series or things that you are listening to watching or reading what are you loving at the moment anyone got any traffic cops <laughs> Brilliant, excellent. Any, anything else? Go. Yes, Jeremy. The latest David Attenborough. Can't go wrong with David Attenborough. Somebody feed Phil. If anyone wants to delight in travel and food, watch Somebody Feed Phil because that is an excellent series that makes you want to travel the world and eat all the food. Fab, one more. The Lazarus Heist. Oh, I've not even heard of that. I'll have to check that out. Um, the podcast that I've enjoyed recently is um, one by Rob Beckett and Josh Widdicombe. They're comedians. Uh, parenting Hell. And it basically, if you're a parent, makes you feel so seen and so secure. Or if you're not a parent, makes you never want to parent ever. So, highly recommend that one. Um, and I've recently read, the book that I've most recently read is called The Hiding Place by Corrie Ten Boom. Giddy aunt. If you want to read and an inspiration and if you want to know Jesus in concentration camps, that is the book for you. Cannot highly recommend it enough. What a woman. Anyway, um, there's one podcast series um, that has been doing the rounds recently um, and it's called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And it was a series, some of you may have heard of it. It's a series that was started in 2021 um, about a mega church in America that folded overnight. Um, it's a series about why it happened, what we can learn from it, particularly, that's the point of it. It's not a gossipy one. It's a, what we can learn from it in terms of leadership and cultures, etc. It's a fairly difficult but quite an important series um, for us, especially in the Western world. Um, and so I'd heard about this um, podcast series. Daniel, my husband, um, had started listening to it and um, was kind of relaying some tidbits to me um, on a regular basis. Um, now, it isn't for everyone. It's a podcast on church leadership and cultures and values. So it's not everyone's cup of tea, but um, 
I'm in the boat of church leadership, so I thought, sounds interesting, I'll have a listen. And um, the car journey I was on when I started it, I was able to listen to the first episode and a half in one go. Um, And yeah, found it interesting, found it a little bit tricky to listen to, Um, made me feel a a little uneasy at times, but there was nothing new particularly to experience, there was nothing particularly poignant or emotional for me in that moment, in that car journey. Um, And yet, that night, um, as I was sleeping, I had a really vivid and really scary nightmare. Um, It was horrible. I won't go into the details, but the whole thing was just horrible. And I woke up feeling really sick. I was sweating. My heart was pounding, like lying in bed. And my heart was doof, doof, doof. Like it was a real adrenaline moment um, in my body. Um, And so I had to get up, I had to go and check on my daughters, um, and I had to have a little cry to kind of relieve this tension that was in my body. Um, And interestingly, this nightmare, this totally fictitious, entirely not true scenario, um, had all been set in a church context and building. One and a half episodes I'd listened to, such a vivid nightmare after barely dipping my toe in. I didn't go in with um, intentions or expectations, um, but the outcome of anxiety and panic and despair in that moment, because I'd intentionally or inadvertently placed myself there. Um, And I guess these are my questions today from that. Where are we placing ourselves and what are the outworkings of that? Oh, there we go. To be more biblical, I suppose, if you want to use more biblical or metaphorical language, you could say, where are we planted and what is the fruit like? So, I thought we'd read a bit of the Bible as we are in church to wet our palates. We're going to take a little nosy at Psalm 1. Um, So, Psalms is a section of the Bible. Um, It's a collection of songs and poems depicting a whole range of life from joy to despair, death to life, um, you name it. Um, So we're going to read the very first one of these psalms or songs, um, Psalm 1. And it says this. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But They delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Yeah. Yes. Ouch, indeed. So some of us might be quite familiar with this. Um, Others of us may be hearing or reading this for the first time. Um, Note that I didn't stop after verse 3 and avoid the awkward, uncomfortable bit in the second half. Um, But what we're going to do now is I'm going to read it again. Um, I'm going to read it slowly. And afterwards, we're just going to spend, I thought it would be interactive, we're just going to spend 
a minute, 90 seconds most, chatting with either our neighbour or a little gaggle of people around us about what jumped out at us. What was particularly poignant? Was there a word or a phrase or um, an emotion rising up or whatever it is? What popped out at you? And um, I just want us to engage with the Bible actively this afternoon rather than passively. So um, I think it's a really vital part of our walk with Jesus. So I'm going to read it again. I'm going to read it slowly and you're going to have a little listen, have a read if you need to as well. See what jumps out at you. Feel free to close your eyes if that's helpful. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees, planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do but not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Okay, you've got a minute, 90 seconds. Chat with someone next to you or a little group next to you. Um, what jumped out at you? What word or phrase? How are you feeling having read it? 90 seconds, go. All right, fantastic. Oh, you guys are just getting started. I love it. There's so much that could be said, right? Um, I was going to do a moment of feedback, but we're a little more pressed for time than I thought. So, um, have a think on that. Um, I'll just point out, um, there were three things that kind of stood out to me, particularly whilst we were reading it. The first thing that stood out to me was the word joy at the top, obviously. <laughs> so um, joy is always like a, like a honking horn um, to me. I always pay attention to where it says this is how you can get joy, because I always want more of it. So um, joy is in store for those who are delighting in the law of the Lord rather than, rather than following the baddies. That may, that's a good one, isn't it? Um, so that one struck, struck me. Second thing that struck me as well was reading um, in each season. I don't know about you. I don't know a lot about trees, um, but... As far as I'm aware, they don't bear fruit every season. The whole point is that it's up and down. Um, So it struck me that um, it's possible for a tree, a person metaphorically, to bear fruit in every season, not just summer. Um, That's a whole... We could could just sit there for a while, couldn't we? But we're not. We're going to move on. The third thing, and this is the one that I want to stop on today, um, is that it says... It basically says that fruit that non-withering leaves and thriving are based on where the tree, or where we, are planted. That's the one that we're going to stop in today. Um, So I'm married to a guy called Daniel, who also leads this church. um, And for most of his working life, he has been a gardener um, in one form or another. Um, and I'm a little bit ashamed to say that I still don't know a whole lot about gardening. Um, but um, where I used to be like, that's a pretty flower. 
that's a nice shrub, or like, that grass looks soft and green. That used to be my level. I can now say things like, that's a nice wigella. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Or, are you ready? That lawn could do with scarifying to get rid of the thatch. Hello! I only vaguely know what that means, but it's enough for me to say that it makes sense. Um, and Daniel's not even in the room to hear and be proud of me. Anyway, um, another thing that I've learned um, through being married to a gardener um, is that soil is everything and roots determine the plant. The soil is everything. Roots determine the plant. So we have a compost bin at the back of our garden, of course. We did have a wormery for a while. Thankfully, that got gross and he got rid of it, so it's fine. Um, anyway, once the compost is full, um, it gets spread. The compost has been made. It gets spread on our various flower or vegetable patches in our garden um, so that the soil is good and fertile. Um, now, the nerdy thing, though, is that um, oh, if compost interests you at all, who knew it was an interesting thing? Talk to Daniel. He could talk about it. Four days. Um, so, um, if compost interests you, I go there. But compost requires a good balance of carbon, nitrogen, moisture, and air. Um, and so, every now and then, we'll be in the garden, and Daniel will be pottering around, and he'll just mumble something about needing more nitrogen in the compost. And he'll dump a whole load of grass clippings into the compost, because that's where nitrogen comes from. Um, so who knew that soil and the ground for growing could be so particular that it is affected by what is in it? And the type or the quality of the soil will enable certain plants to grow more effectively than others. So yes, soil is everything. And secondly, roots determine the plant. Now, has anyone ever grown mint, the herb? Don't do it, it's shouted. So mint, the herb, is an eager, eager grower. It will grow quickly and it will grow strong. And if you're not keeping an eye on it, it will instantly take over any area that it's planted in. So, I know, helpful tip for all of you people. Um, so what we and many people do is, we, is you plant mint in a pot in the ground. We contain it. Because if the plant is in a pot, the roots will only grow as big as the pot, which means that the plant growth up top is also limited. It's bound by a pot. Oh, no, sorry, I just skipped three lines. But yes, the root ball is bound by a pot. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see where I'm going with this, does it? Um, but how many of us have found our growth our thriving, our well-being, our relationships, our faith is limited. It's bound by a pot in one form or another. Soil is everything and roots determine the plant. What soil are we planted in? How bound are our roots? And what is that doing to the plant? What is that bearing in us? Someone speaks of those who follow the Lord, who press in, who invest in their relationship with him, who consider God's path day and night, are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Does that describe us? Are we thriving? 
Are we bearing fruit? And if so, what kind of fruit are we bearing? And so I thought we'd take a quick look at fruit because the fruit indicates the health of the soil and of the roots. The plant is directly affected by where and in what it's planted. Let's take a look at that, that fruit that Psalm 1 talks about. The type that comes from being planted by the riverbank of delighting in God. The type of fruit that can be produced by living life with God. Some of us will know it as the fruit of the Spirit, i.e. a natural outworking of a life genuinely lived with God. Many of us have come across this idea I'm sure, but I'm deliberately going to go through them one by one, slowly, so that we can kind of pause and reflect on the fruit that we see in our life. And I appreciate for some of us in the room, you might be like, yep, heard this one before, we're talking about fruit and roots, um, and life and growth. But I, I honestly, I cannot stress this enough about how important it is to visit or revisit or re-revisit this I mean, Psalm 1 talks about meditating on stuff day and night. So there's only a limited amount of stuff in the world. We're going to be revisiting stuff anyway. But I cannot stress how important this is because we're talking about how we live our life. We're talking about how we as individuals and as a collective are being in our world and interacting with those around us. And I'm pretty sure that that is entirely what God is interested in. It is entirely the point of all of this. So we're going to pause and we're going to look and honestly consider where in our life we are producing what. Because we're told that a life rooted in God, planted by that riverbank of life and with the Holy Spirit produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we're going to just whistle-stop through all of these individually to consider if and where in our life we are producing the very opposite. It's potentially a little bit heavy to consider on a Sunday afternoon, but there is hope, so do not fear. But where in our life are we producing hate and not love? Yep, yeah, there we go. It's very tiny on there, isn't it? I had to redo these three times this afternoon because my computer hated me. There you go. Where are we putting hate and not love? Is hatred brewing up in us because we're holding on to forgiveness or we're bearing hate fruit because we're reading or watching hateful stuff? Where in our life are we producing misery and not joy? Are we finding misery in comparing ourselves to literally everything and everyone else out there? Are we, are we bearing misery fruit because we're wallowing in situations long past? Where in our life are we producing fear and not peace? Are we fearful because we've bred a narrative of separating people into boxes and they're different? Are we bearing a 
a fruit of fear because really we don't trust anyone but ourselves and the situation's too big so it's scary. Where in our life are we producing frustration and not patience? Are there certain situations, work, kids, whatever it is, is where frustration is bubbling up? Maybe because we're planted in a world of instant gratification. Are we bearing a frustration fruit because we're rooted in a society that's lost the art of listening? Where in our life are we producing meanness and not kindness? I mean, there's so many opposites that you could do for a lot of these. These are ones that I chose for today, but meanness, not kindness. Are we just demonstrating what was done to us and we're just copying it? Cut and paste. Where in our life are we producing badness, not goodness? I know that that sounds really, but I'm like, I think there's there's like this inner thing of going, that is good and that is bad. And I think we could probably all identify something. I'm sorry, I couldn't come up up with a better way of like oppositing goodness. Um, But I think we could probably all appreciate that kind of innate of something being good or something being bad. Where in our life are we producing? I went for flakiness, not faithfulness. Hey? Where are we naturally producing flakiness because we fed it and we've rooted ourselves in that of not sticking to our word, of not walking the walk? Where in our life are we producing forcefulness and not gentleness? I, I think gentleness is the underrated underdog of this list. Is my favourite of like power being in control. Anyway, um, are we bearing a fruit of forcefulness rather than gentleness? Maybe because we're rooted in a way of the world that says that to achieve anything and succeed, you need to be bolshy and otherwise you're a walkover. Like, are we supping on that cup? Where in our life, finally, where in our life are we producing ill discipline and not self control? Where are we engaging with a comfort at all costs, bingy, apathetic soil? I said it was a little hard-hitting sauce. Um, But what is the fruit that we are producing? Because I tell you what, let's close your eyes for a minute if you're happy and comfortable to. Close your eyes. Because when I picture a life of the fruit of the Spirit, it does something to my heart and my soul. A life, imagine a life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. A life of faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. I mean, you can open your eyes if you want. I feel more whole just thinking about it, let alone living a life that looks like that. Uh, but we must remember that fruit is only half the story isn't it it is the outcome it is the outworking of the plant that is growing and I think most of us would agree that we're not aiming to produce frustration or meanness we're not aiming or striving for hatred or fear are we I would hope. Um, It comes before we're even aware of it. Um, And it's usually because of what we've been feeding ourselves, the quality of the soil we're planted in. And I just, 
I really want to encourage us to think of those opposite fruits, the fruit of the Spirit, in the same way. We're not aiming or striving for joy or peace. I'll say that again. We're not aiming or striving for joy or peace. We don't produce it in our lives out of force. We can't force it to happen. Rather, it comes before we're even aware of it, depending on what is feeding us. Um, I'll always remember the time when um, Daniel, my husband, describes some of this fruit in his life simply coming before he was even aware of it. Um, I had a pretty traumatic experience when our eldest was born, um, and essentially Daniel was um, put into a room on his own and told to wait. Um, He had no idea if either or neither of us would survive, and Daniel describes this ridiculous, overwhelming, and sure peace coming to him in that room. The events certainly didn't warrant peace on any level, and yet despite his circumstances and that of those he loved the most. The season, however short-lived it was, he experienced and produced peace, and he sat in peace. Now, surely that didn't come from him forcing peace upon himself or from being in a great situation. Surely that can only be because of where he was planted. Now, don't get me wrong, Um, I think that you can absolutely bear some of this fruit in some form or to some degree in other ways. And I'll give you an example. Ice cream gives me joy and not misery. I'm like, I'm not, like, we can can experience joy and peace in non-spiritual ways. Um, A good cry, for me, produces patience or gentleness um, because I've cried out some of the frustration and can think a little bit clearer. But I wonder whether it's the real deal, you know? My, um, my mother-in-law grew up in India, and she will often say, oh, but have you ever tried a real mango? You know? I was talking to Heidi the other day, and she said, oh, but have you ever had a real avocado? Apparently, they grow like apples there. Avocados are everywhere in Central America, right? Um, There's the stuff that we import or we grow in our greenhouses, and then there's the real deal. Can anyone relate to this? Anyone got any examples? Mine's Kellogg's cornflakes. I'm not interested if they're not Kellogg's. Anyone else? Yeah, go on, Aaron. Proper dill pickle. I mean, if that wasn't an American request, I don't know what is. (laughs) Anyone else got anything that they're like, this is the real deal, and I'm not having anything else? Go on, yes. Oh, I thought you were putting your hand up. Cadbury's chocolate. Only chocolate around. All right. One more. Anyone got anything else that is the real deal and nothing else will do? Pardon? I didn't hear what you said. Oh, your food. Just, just your food from your culture, your heritage, your country. The food that you grew up with. Your mum's roast or something like that. <laughs> Lovely. Brilliant. But that is what we're talking about here, guys. The real deal fruit that indicates a thriving, healthy, productive plant. The real deal life that indicates a tree planted along a riverbank. A life rooted in the goodness of God. Not based on ice cream or mangoes, um, but based on God's invitation to follow him, 
to follow him, to walk on his path, to meditate on his ways day and night. <gasps> the kids are back already! Okay, um, all the time, God is good. <laughs> and we should do that. Um, yes, yeah, Psalm 1 verse 2 speaks of day and night. It talks about meditating on all of this day and night. It's not a one-stop, quick job thing. Um, it is not like... Think of a plant. It doesn't visit the soil occasionally and then carries on growing. It is rooted. It is always digging for more. And it is the same for us. Um, I prayed once. I read the Bible once and it didn't work. And that's not how it's meant to work. That's not how it is made to be. We are invited to be like plants, rooted, totally consistently and unhindered by the riverbank of living water and we choose to draw on that to bed in there whatever life throws our way and in doing so I wonder what fruit we may see popping up in our life oh what should we do now because the kids are back earlier than I thought although bang on time so um (laughs) let me just have a little read one sec We're gonna, um, we're gonna. Well, the kids are gonna come back in in a second, but we're we're gonna stay in a moment of response. We're gonna take communion together with the children. So, grown-ups, when the kids come in, they're yours. Um, so please own them um, and take communion with them as a family. Um, but this is a time when we can choose to respond, um, when we can choose to um, ask ourselves. What are we rooting in? What kind of soil is it? Is it healthy? Are we walking, in the words of Psalm 1, a path that is leading to our destruction, not our life? Do we want to turn from that? Um, And secondly, I touched on this at the beginning and haven't touched on it much since, um, but I want to ask, is our pot, uh, are we potted or are we free? Um, Is there anything in our lives that is stopping our roots from growing or spreading? Are we bound by expectation or disappointment or something else that's preventing our roots and therefore our plant from growing? So, oh, there we go. What are we rooting ourselves in? And are we potted or are we free? Um, We're going to, and and I would encourage us to consider those as we take communion. So when we take communion, this is our moment of joining in the story of Jesus, of um, acknowledging Jesus' sacrifice for us, of acknowledging his death and ultimate resurrection, and of choosing to join his story. So by taking communion, we are... Um, stepping in to the better narrative that Jesus has for us, for a life of fruit, um, for a life led by the Spirit. So that is what we're going to do during communion. So have a think on these words. Uh, Danny.